and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and this is the show which takes us from dark, gloomy January days to somewhere altogether more inviting, in the company of a nice guest as well. Today we're off to meet singer-songwriter Tom O'Dell. With the anxiety, I'm pleased I became aware of it because I've adjusted my life and there's a hell of a lot of things I do beyond the transcendental meditation to try and stay sane. I'm always surprised when people you love and respect turn out to be as flawed as I am. So I hope you'll get as much out of this chat as I did. Stay tuned for that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And now, here's the show. So I'm off to go and interview someone today that I'm really fond of, um, someone that I've had the pleasure of interviewing a lot of times. But he actually asked if he could come on the podcast, which is always a wonderful way round of things happening. Um, He said he'd been on tour and listening to a lot of the episodes and he was up for having a real honest chat about life and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to this because, as I said, I've chatted to him a lot, but never really gone there in a properly honest way. So... We're going to go and knock on the door of the wonderful Tom O'Dell for a bit of a chat. So, Tom O'Dell, in your favourite chair in your house? Yes, this is my happy place. Oh, <laughs> it's a lovely chair. It is. It was picked up at a second, you know, hand antique shop, or not antique, just second-hand furniture store. <laughs> Some rust-colour sort of throne it, that you're on. I think on. it costs about £40, and it's literally oh, the most comfortable chair I've ever sat in. I'm glad you're comfy, because we're going to have a At long old chat. you sit in it. I'll try it. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. And also, you've got your lovely cat mooching about. Yes. Oh, your lovely cat. That's Louis. Louis. Yeah. yeah, he's great. He's gorgeous. Yeah. I'm a mad cat lady, so I'm hoping at some point he comes and just jumps up and I can never yeah. cuddle. Yeah, he, 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 he's, he's very, he can be quite friendly. He's um he's quite a character. And this whole road that I live on, there's like 25 cats that Love live that. here. He's, he's out partying in the yeah. evening. He's got all his mates. And they sort of do a sort of procession past these windows here. <laughs> like 15 of them. Uh, it's very bizarre. I love it. And out there, you've got a beautiful studio area with a very gorgeous piano there, um, which of course is what you are best known for mm. and what I absolutely love you for is playing that piano yes why the piano why is that why is that your thing I don't know I mean I I have so much love for it and it's bizarre I almost have so much love for it it's it's pretty close to that and if you ever watched that bizarre channel 4 documentary like 10 years ago about the people that have literally fall in love with objects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you marry a fence yeah, or something like that. Yeah, trying to have sex with them and stuff. Mm. It's still a bit bizarre. <laughs> but I, without the sex and the, the strange uh, obsession, I am absolutely uh, in awe of the piano. I continue to be. And 
funnily enough, I'm probably, I'm doing this like bizarre documentary at the moment about the piano. Um, and so I'm the most articulate I've ever been about why I love it. And I can, I can tell you that I went to the Steinway piano hall the other day, last week actually, and I sat there with the head piano maker in the world or in Europe. And I just, it's because the reason I love it is it's engineering meets art. Mm. And what this, the most, the thing that stuck with me when this guy, I was talking to this guy and he said that, um, there's few objects in the world that they came across a design 250 years ago, 300 years ago. And Steinway, for example, are still making yeah. the same piano that they made in 1800. You're not going to mess with that, are you? No. And, and you go there and it's still state of the art. Mm. It's still, it, it, you sit in these rooms with these great nine foot pianos and you're like, what an absolute achievement of engineering. Mm. Uh, and so I absolutely love it. And once I put my knees beneath the, the soundboard or the keyboard and I feel like the music coming up through your body it's just like this totally transcendent experience so is that the feeling for you because I you know I'm so not musical and I you know hence why I talk about music for a living and I'm so intrigued by it and Mm. mesmerized constantly is that the feeling for you like it is you know you're channeling something it's an energy that's coming through you when you sit down and your hands touch those keys yeah and I feel like you feel like you feel at one with this this object uh, I'm reading this great book by this slightly controversial guy called Sam Harris at the moment if you've come across him no. but he's like he talks a lot about like free will but he also talks about uh, like the fact that this you know this I mean, it's not, it's an old idea, but the fact that the self is an illusion, you know, this idea that I is, you know, we have this sort of central point inside of, that is this, this, you know, this constant narrative. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like I'm diverging slightly, but I feel like things like the piano, you lose all sense of I and the self and you become completely immersed in the music and all track of time and everything seems to just disperse and I I absolutely love it and I think that's why everyone should play a musical instrument because Mm. I think it's just a relief from the absolute meaninglessness (laughs) (laughs) of life life. and being a human no I get what you mean because even as a music lover and someone that listens to it I think anyone that you know loves an artist a band or a genre of music you can almost get like a diluted sense of that experience listening to it and you just kind of get lost in it and you forget Mm. about stuff. But the feeling of playing it, I just can't even imagine how Mm. like just magical that must be. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, Do you think it brings out the best in you? I'm certainly better at playing the piano and singing. I'm able to express myself more clearly than I am with like now for example and so uh, if you're songwriting like when you when you go out there and you sit at your piano is it a, so say you're you, you're setting out to write a song mm. is it I'm going to work out some lyrics first then the music comes or do you sit and just see what comes up for you emotionally and, it, and then it turns out yeah. that it manifests in a song yeah I'd say the latter yeah it just sort of turns up it's, it's strange I think when you try the strange thing with it is when you try too hard nothing comes mm. and when you sit there and try and 
shut off that like annoying person that keeps saying you know that's not good enough that's not good mm. enough when you and then great things seem to arise i hate that voice in our heads it's, it's annoying it's the worst i yeah. get it all the time and yeah. it is so and it's so it's um it's essentially fear isn't it and it hinders you so much yeah. and it can be like small things in life and you think oh piss off like yeah. just leave me to just do my thing do, does that affect you when you're sort of, you know when you're writing or even performing does that voice kind of creep up yeah it does yeah and i think it is a, i guess it's why a lot of musicians turn to drugs and yeah alcohol is because you're trying i think you're often trying to get rid of that very sort of is the shallowest part of our consciousness mm. i think it's the most vain the most insecure and it's um it's the one that most holds you back with creativity i think uh and also even in in social situations and you know it's we've all sat there in a social situation and gone what are they thinking of me what are I they get thinking it every of me time yeah. I, I mean i had it when you arrived of course like we all have it going know, oh god horrible. am i am i putting my arm in the right place am i you know, I know what you mean yeah you, isn't it funny it's so and you know we can't and then it seems to yeah i can't even with friends like friends yeah. that i've had for years when they've gone i think oh maybe i shouldn't have said that Did that yeah. come across wrong do they now like the other friend better stupid a yeah. voice blah 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 yeah. it's mad why yeah. do we deal with it's that bizarre. why do we suffer it it's bonkers well this this chap Sam Harris he seems to uh, he's written this whole book it's called Waking Up um, but he talks a lot about the fact that that's sort of like an illusion mm. this idea of this like dialogue you have with yourself yeah it's kind of like uh not particularly uh, real. Yeah. I was listening to um, the Urquhart Toll and Oprah podcast, uh, A New right. Earth, which is amazing. Is it really good? Oh, my God. Right. I've I listened to the one. whole series three times. Oh, great. Ten episodes. I can't get enough. And so Urquhart was, um, says that he was uh, falling asleep one night and he was having a really tough time before he kind of transcended into the person he is today. And he was feeling really awful and he thought about taking his own life. Mm. And then he had this one sentence arrive in his head. I really can't live with myself anymore. And then Mm. he stopped and went, wait a minute, if I'm saying I can't live with myself, Mm. there must be two of me and I and myself. And then he made that exact separation. And Mm. I just, I keep going back to that and thinking about that. Because I think Mm. we all do deal with that insecurity of Mm. this personality that we've kind of, created or a bit of it is our essence and we are but what mm. others think of it and it's yeah. so silly that yeah. we constantly ruminate on that yeah it's bizarre isn't it it's um, annoying it's very annoying distracting uh but it yeah I, i've been thinking a lot about it in the past few months and i've i've sort of i have well, well one of the things that's really uh led me is this is transcendental meditation which has really been quite insightful when and did you get into that? I got into it two and a half years ago. And uh, what was the reason? Was there a moment where you thought, I need this, or I just want to try it? It was my ex-girlfriend, actually. She, she, she suggested we do it, and we went to a place to learn how to do it. And I've done it twice a day, really? every day since. Wow, yeah. that is yeah. exactly as it should be, and I'm, I need to do it. I'm like, I, I know how good it is for me when I do it. I just, mm. I'm not dedicated. I need to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's. I don't. I think there's so many different types of meditation. It's 
also they're probably all good but I certainly am a massive uh, fan of it and it, I think everybody should do it so uh, so for people that are very new to talking about meditation mm. or, or looking into it what do, what what sets transcendental meditation apart from from other types from what I can from what I can tell is that uh, a lot of the sort of more yogi meditation is that you're concentrating on breathing and you're and you're 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 listening to your surroundings and feeling your surroundings and by that you sort of your breathing becomes controlled and you meditate with transcendental meditation it's you're given a mantra and um and it's uh you're repeating that mantra silently in your head but you're allowing some thoughts to come into your mind and then you very uh politely sort of show them the door yeah uh but never sort of like you know shoving them out like they come you. and they go like clouds yes passing yeah. clouds exactly yeah and um and that works out and eventually i don't know like the first time i ever did it i really felt something powerful like, like what very first it was just this sensation of of enjoying being alive wow that without any fix or any sort of vice you know like when I, I'm trying to give up smoking permanently, but when I smoke a cigarette, I go like this and I enjoy being alive. Or when I take a sip of wine or if you have sex or like if you go for a run and afterwards yeah. you've... You, but, but the point is, is with this meditation is you're not... There's nothing there's, to attain. There's no exterior that's providing that, that joy. It's completely found from within. Mm. And... Um, I don't always get it and so it's a discipline and sometimes you know that like it's not very kind with its like uh you know amount of pleasure it gives you which pleasure is probably the wrong word but uh contentment you know, is it contentment? yeah contentment but it's Grounding. it's a, but it's a deep feeling it's, yeah. it's a very also visceral feeling that's yeah. not it's not mistakable for you're not fooling yourself no like, no it's like wow and you really I've learned a lot from it in the sense that I, I'm a lot calmer, but also there's this buzz. There's a buzz. There's just this buzz that I feel exists when you're alive, and it's like a, it's very low. And when you when I meditate, I can just about hear it, mm. and it's and it's not tinnitus. <laughs> <laughs> Good. We don't want that wrecking your career. Uh, it's, that, it's their energy, isn't it? Yeah. That we often, I guess, um, dismiss because we are looking for those exterior pleasures, goals, yeah. things that we think are going to fill a hole that we think we've, you know, mm. got burning inside us. It's, it's like you say, connecting with, we've all got that joy inside us. It's just mm. sometimes it feels buried quite deep down and yes, it's accessing yeah. it. And this for you is the portal to, yeah. to accessing that amazing joy. And I think there's lots of portals. Yeah. And I think people going on just to walk, like my parents, they go on a walk twice a day. I and, a walk. Yeah, and I can see they get so much joy out of that. And and some people play football every evening or, I know, but for me, I found it to be much more effective than all those other things I've tried. Mm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now, I, I've known you for a while now, since you yes. started out. I mean, when, I don't even know when it was. 2012, I think. God, was it? Bloody yeah. hell. So, yeah, a while. Yeah, a while, um, yeah. And I sort of feel like I've got my version of what I believe Tom O'Dell is in my <laughs> head. But, of course, there's always so much more to it. And yeah. I was looking through lots of different interviews that you'd done yeah. over the last sort of couple of years, because I probably haven't interviewed you for a couple of years now. Mm. And one line really stuck out and it was a new side of you that I, you know, had overlooked or not heard Mm. about before. And you kind of quite succinctly talked about the fact that you have or still do experience anxiety and sort of a a low level omnipresent anxiety in life. Is that still the case? Uh, Yes. Yeah. And yeah. And what I wasn't aware it was, it had a name. Uh, until it all exploded last year. I think it was something I'd felt probably since I was a teenager. Really? Yeah, and was just... I just thought that was me. Like, I was slightly manic, and uh, I thought that's what it was like to to be alive. And and then last year, I was... I began... I went for a very uh, painful breakup with someone who I love very much, still love very much, but, um, and, and then it was work, you know, lots of work and all that. And then I'd been feeling strange for about a month and was increasingly worried about how I felt because mm. I had no idea. I couldn't define what it was that I felt. And then one day I just completely sort of collapsed in the shower in Munich with not being able to breathe. And it was a very, very severe panic attack. And I ended up in an ambulance and in a, hosp- a hospital and it was absolutely terrifying. And it was a horrendous month afterwards where I, a tiny, you know, like a a, a slammed door next door could send me into an mm. absolute mess of nerves. And since then I've been dealing with it and um I'm I'm a lot better now than so I So had you was this your had you had a lot of panic attacks before this or was this the first one that manifested had, from anxiety Never had anything but I now really? realize that I probably had yeah. had things that I'd written off as you know sort of a lack of sleep or you know just I realise now there were moments that, that that were close to panic, but never had I had anything that was like, I thought I was dying, you know, yeah. like I, I, in this panic attack. I genuinely did not know what a, a panic attack was either. And it was, I thought a panic attack was, you know, pacing up and down going, oh my God, am I going to get fired? Am I going to get fired? And focusing on one thing. I always thought anxiety was worrying about one specific thing when the anxiety that I felt, I can never really pinpoint what the concern is it might mm. the the spark of that horrendous fire might be one individual thing but then the anxiety i feel is this deep sense of doom that everything is just going to crumble like a sandcastle and was there one particular trigger 
when you were in Munich that, that no. you think set you off on this? Or it was just no. an accumulation of years of I know of my, a single came out that day, that morning, which could be something to do with it because I'd worked very hard on this song and I was worried about how it was going to be received. But it wasn't that specifically. Um, but I'm, but what's what's why I really wanted to talk about it as well is that I've since had a few friends who have had similar things. And I was talking to a friend the other day and he was telling me he wanted to speak about it with me and he was telling me all about what he's been through recently and real horrendous, similar age. And it seems to be quite, you know, around late 20s. I definitely yeah. think there's a common... I do. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence. I think, I don't it, think it's a coincidence. Is, uh, there's a statistic out there and it's saying everything, you know, yeah. it's scary. Yeah, yeah. I'm very fortunate that when I went through this, I didn't feel any shame, really. Uh, I did. Fe- I felt probably because I'm a, you know, we're very lucky within this industry that we're all basically allowed to be a bunch of narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we love talking about ourselves, hence Don't this lovely just, podcast. I made a living out of it. Yeah, exactly. So, so we're very, we have that vocabulary yeah. to be able to discuss it. And yeah. we have the friends around us that... Uh, perhaps a little bit just um, happy to talk about that stuff but then it suddenly occurred to me that when my friend was telling me about it and he went through a very similar experience and he then added to this experience this terrible shame like he was a failure Mm. and it really like struck something within me of the Jesus it was hard enough going through this thing this anxiety you know and without this then added sort of masculine yeah. or it doesn't have to be male, but I think there is an individual issue there with men of this sort of deep shame of, you know, and not talking about it because they yeah. don't want to be seen to be wusses. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I totally relate um, because I don't know if I felt shame when I, I had one particular period where I was having a lot of panic attacks back to back and um my first ever one was on the motorway in a car going really fast so now yeah I I, and I still haven't built up the kind of nerve I guess to get back on the motorway and I I will and it'll happen but I just think I'm not gonna rush but for a bit when I would do usually something live on the tv that little like sick bit of my brain would go, oh, this would be a bad time. Yeah, yeah, I do that And I could feel it coming on. But then I started to almost tap into what your friend's saying and I would think, my God, why do none of my peers have this? Why are they just so confident and relaxed? And why am I such a freak? Maybe I'm not cut out for this. And I think it is quite commonplace that you will add that layer of you're a failure. You know, it is is such a shame. And I think by what you're doing is really wonderful you know, starting to talk about this. And I'm really glad that you felt comfortable enough yeah. to do that today because so many people that do look up to you or follow your career and love what you do to see what's going on beneath mm. that. And for you to say, you know, this has happened to me. I don't feel ashamed or whatever is connecting all of us with yeah. people going through a similar experience to Definitely. not feel alienated, which is 100%. a shitty place to yeah. be at when you're already going through something. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, and, and, and also I feel had I had listened to your podcast or had I been a little bit more aware of what was going on, I think 
the panic attacks or aware of sort of, you know, these kind of mental illnesses and stuff is I think the panic attack that I did have probably wouldn't have been quite so bad because half of the panic attack, as you all know, is you going, what's what, happening? What the fuck is yeah, going yeah, yeah. on? Why, why is my heart beating? Yeah. Why can't, I feel like I can't breathe. What, am I having a stroke? You know, like is, and is, and then that's sort of like self-perpetuated yeah. and, and it gets worse and worse. And, um, but also, you know, not just the physical symptoms, you just go, is what I'm, why am I thinking like this? This is insane. And you realise like people in psychosis and like these severe mental illnesses, you realise the power mm. of it. I mean, yeah. it's, I always thought it was just like, I don't know, I was so delusional about mental illness before now you know and do you think like you say you know a lot of your friends have experienced or are going through a similar thing and we know that a lot of young people out there I mean all ages but you know the sort of young generations are feeling a lot more anxiety Mm. than perhaps has been expressed previously Mm. do you think there is sort of a general overwhelm that everyone is just feeling slightly sort of bombarded with everything and also expectation because I don't know if this plays into it, but the other day I was with a bunch of family members on my husband's side and I was chatting to one of his relatives and she was saying that her, she's got to be in her late teens now, daughter, mm. who I'm going to give a shout out to, Nell, because she came up with something quite brilliant. She said to her mum one day, when did the extraordinary become normal? Mm. And I thought, God, that's so the, a sign of the times that mm. sort of like zeitgeist thing of you have to achieve the maximum mm. every day and everything has to be amazing look amazing you have to have the best job and you know I don't think many generations before this generation have experienced that it was fine to plod along and mm. do your thing and to find happiness and joy in the average mm. which is sort of underestimated I mm. think in this day and age just things being you know today was average mm. fine good you know that's um, a good thing yeah and maybe uh you know like it's like if you go to the Mediterranean you know like they're so you know I have like Ita- I have Italian cousins and it's so much about family and getting together on a Sunday mm, and community uh, and community and I can't help but feel sometimes maybe it was like Instagram slightly replaced yeah. like the, the the church in some ways. And the church had a you know, as we know, has a hell of a lot of its own problems, but mm. I can't work out if maybe Instagram has even more. Yeah, well because <laughs> well, it's not a genuine connection, is it? No. It's lovely as a tool to go, oh, this person has the same thing going yeah. as me or whatever, but there's nothing beats sitting with mm. someone and having that Mm. connection and and talking and I've certainly found with me getting out of my own little weird situations or Mm. you know I still my panic attacks more so now come at night when Mm. I'm trying to go to bed really handy really yeah so I get the heart racing thing and all sorts but the thing I've found most helpful is learning really good breathing techniques and and stuff like that but um but to to go back to your previous question I think I think that is a very interesting point I think I guess there's two a interesting question is is there more now? I guess the one thing is maybe we're more of us allowed to talk about it now so it could be it yeah, could feel like yeah. there's more now and it's always been there or it could be I I actually think there is more now and I think the pressure on young people is quite terrifying. Mm. I can't imagine what it's like to have like teenagers and 
that minefield of like social media yeah. because you know like there's a hell of a lot of I mean I I don't even know where I'd begin with that stuff like I I feel like I was the sort of last generation that didn't you know we started having like Facebook uh when I was like 16, 17 or something. But the the really vulnerable bit, vulnerable bit of my teenage years were pretty offline. Mm. Uh, and yet I think the kids, maybe like four years below me, they were the first ones that totally. had... Um, I mean, I had like MSN Messenger. <laughs> See, I even missed that. I'm so old. I didn't even do that you one. You got out unscathed. <laughs> I did. I actually had the first, I think probably four or five years of my career internet free like no yeah. social social media oh. free dream i i yearn for <laughs> well i don't now my, that's for uh, sure bloody hell just don't look at it as the key there yeah oh my god but how, i mean so this is the thing so you know transcendental meditation has been a real remedy or certainly something yeah. that's helped mitigate some of that for you i don't know i i it's i'm not sure it definitely is not like anything in life it should these great fixes you know the great sort of like it's not the answer to everything but it i find it helps and it and it i feel in some ways it it enriches my life but i think with the with the anxiety it's as much i'm pleased i became aware of it because i've adjusted my life and there's a hell of a lot of things i do now beyond the transcendental meditation to try and stay sane and uh it's as much about getting a good night's sleep yes. and you know like not Vital. drinking too much and but also i find personally just and this is when it's going to get really hippy dippy but yes. <laughs> go for it but like i think as a english middle class man which I always struggle to define myself as I still feel like a boy <laughs> I think also just to be open and honest and and for many years I could be so emotive and expressive as you know in my music and I say the most honest you know naked sort of things and yet in my own p- personal life I struggle to tell a friend that I love them or mm. I struggle to, you know, call up. I don't know, just, just be vulnerable, mm. to be vulnerable and not be this bulletproof, successful musician. I really have struck, that's been something I'm really trying to change. Like, mm. I'm really trying to change that kind of just be vulnerable and honest and and try and be loving because I have loads of love and I've always had loads of love in my heart but I just have sometimes struggled to actually give that to people Mm. I give it a lot in my music Mm. but I think it's it's so often the case of creative people that you know especially of musicians you can say like you know as you said the most exposing lyric that says everything and you could pick apart a lyric and go wow I think I've really tapped into something Tom's going through there but then yeah. in your real life it's such a different mm. place to be at um your album The Wrong Crowd yeah. I always wondered with that particular title and where you were at with your career then was that kind of a period of exploration where you were like right now I'm a successful musician who am I hanging out with and mm. you got swayed slightly into different groups of people there that weren't quite the right fit 
Maybe a bit of that, yeah. I think, I think definitely, yeah. And that that first few years, you know, you, like it really is a. You suddenly get the keys to, you know, like a city that you didn't know existed. Uh, when you're like 24, you know, you said you just did Sam Fender, and I met him the other day for the first time at the. I really like his music. I met him at the Rock, Rocket Man premiere. You know, because we're stars and we go to premier. <laughs> we go to premier. Well, you're mates with Elton. We'll let you off. It's all good. And and, uh, and uh, I was just looking at him and I was just like, wow, because I just, I really remember yeah. what that was like. Yeah. At, at that right at the starting blocks, and it's just all just so like fucking crazy. But yeah, I don't know. I think it also Ron Crab was was also about the fact that I've constantly not felt. I've always been outside frosty glass of the pub looking indoors (laughs) and looking at the groups Mm. there and everyone seems so happy and everyone seems like they've got their friendship groups and their girlfriends and their lives sorted and they know exactly who they are and it's as if they've they've always been that person and yet I feel so transient and like one heavy gust of wind blow me off into Mm. the uh, (laughs) cosmos and so I think that's what Ron Crowd's about more is just feeling like I never quite fit in yeah do you still feel that now I feel less with each year I feel less and less like that but actually maybe I don't I don't know I feel more I tell you I don't feel like I fit in anymore now but I feel like I accepted who I am Mm. more and I think that's a really lovely thing that you notice amongst friends as you get into your late 20s, it's like you begin going, oh, that's fine. I don't have to be everyone. Yeah. And I don't have to be, you know, and you begin to just go, I don't know, it's a nice feeling. You care less. You care less. You care less. Yeah. Uh, This might sound peculiar, but Mm. whenever I've sort of interviewed, especially very creative people that sort of, and again, I guess it is, you know, musicians or artists who really are perhaps driven by the momentum of sometimes quite tricky feelings. Mm. Do you ever worry that if you didn't feel that discomfort or anxiety that you would have mm. less to write about or, or there'd be less momentum musically mm. for you? Yeah, and it's, 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 it's a problem, that. Really? And it, it's tr- I think it's true. Uh like if you were just content, mm, I know. Would you think, oh shit, I've got no songs? I can't work out if that's an illusion, or but I've certainly felt it mm. and it, feeling too comfortable. You know, I know David Bowie said it a lot. I've read in interviews he used to say, you know, once an artist feels comfortable, you're you know too comfortable, it's, it's like game over. Mm. And it's like terrifying. I know, and it's just like you know, and it, but quite honestly, and look, I don't think this life and this this job I have. There's, there's far harder jobs in the world. And in, in a lot of ways, I'm so fortunate. And I'm so fortunate that I've earned money and earned money making music and I, I have a career in it. And it's it's easy. It's actually, you know, people that work in the mines, they have it hard. Or the countless jobs that are difficult, you know, doctors, nurses that work 14 hours a day. I'm always very hesitant to complain about this job. But one thing I would say is is to the to the artist that take it seriously and I count myself within that and I do take it very seriously and and, and it and I, I find that it is a sacrifice that has become more and more apparent to me only after I've done it mm. if the, the sacrifice it requires to continue doing it to a degree that and that sacrifice is quite elusive I think it's it's like 
it's not just the, the traveling it's not just the being away from home but it's also the the degree of like to write something emotional it does take something out of you that you then don't maybe have that later that evening i don't know it's like it's i i, I actually not, i'm not been very articulate in this response but i think there is a great sacrifice that it takes and i think in answer to your question i have felt that a lot as i don't want to get too comfortable and i think i've damaged a lot of relationships in that way and i would really? yeah and i and i and i and i regret that uh but i also don't so it's strange so you want to kind of almost teeter on the edge of things being a bit uncomfortable just yeah, to but, kind of test yourself or push yourself or see what comes up but then i'm like that can't be it so then that can't but then but then you go that i i'm like i don't know it's like a choice isn't it i think it's a choice But maybe then like you were saying the fear of being vulnerable in your life maybe being like relaxing into contentment is the most vulnerable place you can be at maybe for you yeah maybe that's what it is yeah yeah and and actually you know like to to counter that argument this ridiculous argument i'm making that you have to be you know it has to be a mess <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh is is actually like i think um you know what I'm saying about transcendental meditation is that is the opposite. It's like I find it to be the most creative, like little twenty minutes I I I sort of practice. Mm. And the, uh, you know, if I meditate and then I go and sit at the piano, often that's when the best ideas. Come. Oh, I bet, I bet. And that's complete contentment. Um, that's what is what. So when you're doing that, what is the result for you? The desired result when you when you perhaps have meditated or you've just gone to the piano. And you want to write, obviously, every time the greatest song ever written. Mm. Is the result that you want figuring out what this life is all about? Is it connection with other people? Is it to process your own feelings? Like, what do you think your reasoning is behind it, or the result you want? I think ultimately, I sit at the piano, and when I get a melody or a lyric and a, and a piece of music that comes together, you completely escape. It just adds so much colour, and you—it's the most excitement I ever feel. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's so, you know, like I'm in that studio down at the end of the garden. I'm dancing around when I get something good, and I'm—and time just disappears, and I get the hairs on the back of my neck, and I—and I—and I believe that there's something more like it's this it's this belief that it feels like like it feels there's something more to this world than what just is on the surface and mm. and uh it's incredibly like just moving it's the same for when you go to a concert and it's your favorite song and you sit there and you hear this song and it just i don't know it just it it, it, it it's it's what i live for i think mm. yeah well, don't ever stop doing it because yeah. I bloody love your music, as yeah. do many other people out there. So, oh, thanks. You know, don't keep, you know, always teeter on the edge of having a nervous breakdown, but, <laughs> you know, keep making good music and we're happy. Yeah. Um, Tom, thank you so much Pleasure. for inviting us to your home today yeah. and for Pleasure. chatting so honestly. I think for many people out there, just hearing you talk about an experience like that will be massively yeah. helpful. So, thank you. Thank you, you very much. Cheers. Thank you, Tom. Oh, I loved that. Much love to you and best of luck with all of the amazing work that you're doing. If this is your first experience of Happy Place, you can discover over 50 interviews with inspiring, wonderful people on the podcast feed. 
Just hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on your podcast app of choice. And to find out who's on next week's show, find us on Instagram at Happy Place Official. Thanks again to Tom, to the producer Matt Hill at Rethink Audio and to you for listening. I'll see you Monday. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.